Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. The soundtrack that we build for ourselves over a lifetime comes from our life experiences, our spiritual learning, and our hopes and dreams for the future. It is a set of lessons, thoughts, reflections, and concepts that we play and replay over and over to guide us along through our daily lives. Some songs we consciously add, and others just creep in little by little over the years. So as life goes on, we end up with this rather large and chaotic soundtrack filled with songs from different parts of our lives, running through our heads, providing the backdrop for how we conduct our lives. Now, we all want to lead better lives. We all want to be better people. That's one of the reasons we gather here each Sunday. We congregate together because the sum of our experience allows us to be stronger and wiser than we would be as spiritual individuals. We join together in part to share our life stories with like-minded souls. I view the universal, Unitarian Universalist pulpit as a sort of dispensary of helpful hints for living, that our sermons are life observations surrounding the difficult task of walking through this life with spirit and dignity while somehow trying to leave this planet in better shape than we entered it. Simply put, I like to think of UU sermons as buffets where you sort of take what you will, what works for you, and leaves what do- leave what doesn't quite fit. Now, if you're like me and not gearing up for saintliness or the next bodhisattva opening, making radical changes to your soundtrack is probably about as likely to succeed as last year's New Year's resolution or that last post-party I'll never drink again promise which is why I chose today to talk about adjusting your life soundtrack. These are life lessons, some larger and some smaller, but nothing drastic and nothing too esoteric. Pick and choose as you will. I'd like to start by talking about some of the Eastern religions that became an early influence on my own soundtrack. I abandoned Christianity during my childhood by age 11 I'd had enough of Catholic and Methodist Sunday schools and church, and I turned my back on the Christian tradition. I probably would have become an atheist except for one major thing. I am, in fact, a very spiritual person. So I began studying the great religions of the world. Since it was the early 70s, I began with Hinduism. After all, my favorite Beatle, George, was writing songs about my sweet Lord and it was a religion complete with comic book-like gods, and most important, it seemed very unlike the religion that I was abandoning. In retrospect, there is a great deal of wisdom in Hinduism. There is much that I reject, but still, as a universalist, I think there is truth in all religions. The most fascinating piece of Hindu literature to me is the Mahabharata, or the Great War. It is a story of two sets of brothers who fight over a mighty kingdom. In the end, they are unable to settle their dispute over rulership. 
and they essentially bring about in Armageddon, a war to end all wars, a great and horrible bloodbath. Now, just as this war is about to begin, Arjuna, who is a great prince, is to blow his conch shell and start this senseless conflict. Two massive armies are gathered facing each other, awaiting to sound the sound of his horn. The driver of Arjuna's chariot is none other than Krishna, the human embodiment of the great god Vishnu. When Arjuna is unable to blow his conch shell to begin the battle, Krishna speaks to him and recites what is now known as the Bhagavad Gita. Here, between these two mighty armies bent on mutual destruction, these two noble figures calmly discuss the nature of the universe and the meaning of existence. You can think what you want, but it really is quite a poetic image. The essence of the Bhagavad Gita is this, to be able to act and to not desire the results of those actions. It seems esoteric, but it actually has very practical applications. In terms of adjusting your life soundtrack, it means that you should do things because you believe they are the right thing to do and not consider whether or not they'll be effective or actually change things. You do it because it's what you should be doing. It's the right thing. As an example, back in the 1980s, I used to be involved with groups that um, were trying to stop US intervention in Central America. I could have sat there and asked myself if anything I was doing was actually effective. But the way I read the Gita, it's the work that actually matters. As I see it, the work I did probably didn't actually stop US intervention in Nicaragua or El Salvador. But other things did come from that work, positive things. So nothing is fruitless. And even if it was, it wouldn't matter. It was the work that actually counted. With that attitude, you can actually fight some pretty tough battles. I recommend you pick up a copy of the Bhagavad Gita and read it. And as a quick, um, quick matter here, I would just say, um, you know, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not advocating any particular religious book uh, over any other, but I do recommend the Gita as, as an interesting book. By the way, um, Peter Brook directed a really magnificent version of the Mahabharata, which is kind of difficult to find. It's out on DVD, but for those interested in the topic, I strongly recommend it. Um, to touch on Buddhism briefly, which was another religion that I studied, my initial attraction to Buddhism was twofold. First of all, it had a very scientific approach to religion, and it neither denied nor affirmed the existence of a supreme being. I really liked the concept of right view, which meant there was more than one way of looking at any one particular thing. If you can only see something from one viewpoint, then you're really not seeing it at all. Buddhism also taught that everything is temporal, that everything has a lifespan, something that I cannot actually refute. Then there was the concept that all life is suffering, which generally fit my outlook on life. And since, <laughs> and since all beings are suffering, we must be compassionate to all beings. I probably would have become a Buddhist, but since Buddhists believe that human beings can achieve a state of perfection, it really was something that I wasn't sure I could believe in. I'm not really sure that human beings can achieve a state of perfection. I think that human beings can approach perfection, but I'm not sure they can actually attain it. And I think for that reason, I'm a Unitarian Universalist instead of a Buddhist. 
But anyway, enough of the East. Let me talk about more practical matters. Um, about eight years ago, when I could still afford a car, um, I would be driving around the Boston area, and inevitably somebody would cut me off. And of course, tempers would flare, hand gestures might be exchanged, and things would generally get heated. Then suddenly their car would veer off an exit ramp and I would never see them again. Problem was, I would still be mad. And depending on how bad the confrontation was, I might stay angry for quite some time, taking the anger of this incident home with me. And if you drive a lot in the Boston area, you know these little confrontations can happen quite often. So finally one day, a light bulb went off in my head and I thought about all the energy I was wasting you know, getting mad over these little incidents and the emotional aftermath of all of it. And I thought, why was I buying into all this Boston road rage? Why was I allowing this situation to control me? So I decided to change my response. And I adopted that annoying teenage saying and attitude, whatever. You know, I, I really adopted this sort of disdain without anger. I mean, and I didn't do this overnight. I mean, it, it took some practice. But I changed the response so that instead of allowing these incidents to stress me out and anger me, I began to let them go and not get caught up in all this craziness. And I found this actually transfers to other situations. And I began to remind myself that I'm in control of my own soundtrack. I get to choose what I buy into. And these are all simple common sense adjustments that we can make. In this church, every week, we recite the covenant of this church, which begins with the phrase, love is the spirit of this congregation. Now, love can have a great number of meanings. I don't believe it means that you have to like everyone or enjoy their company. It does mean, however, that you have to show everyone a basic respect and dignity as a fellow human being. Now, I know most of us live in the city or in the metropolitan region, and it's easy to be hardened. But it doesn't take much effort to be polite and decent to the people around you, to passers-by, cashiers, salespeople, the homeless, waits people. How much effort does it take to be nice? I mean, I know it's very chic to be snooty and aloof, and I've been in the city long enough to know street smarts. But still, it is your soundtrack. You're the person who's deciding what kind of world you want to create and live in, and even if it's only being built one brick at a time. Showing respect and courtesy for other people is admittedly a very disappearing social grace in our world. Yet I would argue that the foundation of a civilized world is being civil. It's a small adjustment to your soundtrack, and it really doesn't require much effort. Ego is a dirty little creature that can really mess up your soundtrack. Ego is the enemy of all spiritual beings and endeavors, and we all suffer from it. And how many of us have let relationships suffer or even die because of our egos? I mean, I certainly have. I'm not sure I can even count how many times over my lifetime I've allowed my ego to prevent me from making a phone call or an apology that would have made a difference in a friendship or a relationship. But pride and ego were more important, and I let them get in the way. And that's a big adjustment that I've made in my own soundtrack recently. Now, I don't always have to be right. 
I don't let my ego be as important as I used to, you know, let it be. And I've discovered that I'm a stronger person when I can actually admit that I mess up, that I'm imperfect, and I'm flawed. And it's really hard sometimes because our society expects perfection. I mean, look at the hoops and barrels that we put our politicians and celebrities through, and then how we relish the news when it turns out that they're as human as we are. Human beings, almost by definition, are imperfect creatures. No matter who you are, at some point in your life, you're going to mess up. And the question is, how do you deal with those inevitable failings? In, accept, in accepting my own imperfections, I've become more compassionate to other people. I realize that we're all struggling to get through this thing called life. I'm not saying there aren't jerks and monsters out there. Um, there definitely are. But I think most people are really just trying to keep their heads above water, just like me, just like most of you, in a very difficult and tough world. And I really try to remember that. Very difficult perspective to maintain sometimes, but it's really true. So, why all this retuning of our soundtracks? Here's my argument. What's really important is, you know, the way that we conduct our daily relationships and the way we treat the people in our orbit. I mean, I don't have answers about the existence of a supreme being or reincarnation or if there's life after death. Maybe that I'll learn about that at some point when I die. But until that day, I believe in building a better world, even if it does have to be done one brick at a time. And even if sometimes it feels futile, and that's why I brought up the whole bit about the Bhagavad Gita story, it is the work that counts. You can't think about the fruit of your action. Even if sometimes it feels like an uphill battle, you do have to do the right thing. So if we all work on adjusting our soundtracks towards being more loving and respectful, more civil and decent towards the people in our lives, we all try to push our egos and pride aside and show forgiveness and transcendence, I would propose that we might just improve both the world and our own lives. You have to start somewhere. I began making some of these changes years ago, and some of them I'm still working on. But the soundtrack in my head has gotten better over the years. We're Unitarian Universalists. We don't have a dogma that binds us together. We're bound together by our love and our common goals of peace and justice. That's who we are. We're builders of a better world. May peace be with you all. Amen.